lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV. Radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin. Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Or if you prefer the free speech alternatives to those platforms, uh, look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Gab, and the newly resurgent parlor. Also, if you like edited and censored comments and clips of the program, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Or if you are against censorship because you know you might be an American, uh, go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace show or just bypass all of these avenues, venues, and get the stuff directly from us, the source. Go to blazetv.com slash Dace. Get a discounted subscription today. And then not only will you get around the censorship, but you'll also get exclusive content like from us each day. We provide an overtime for our Blaze TV viewers. It's like a bonus mini episode of content just for you. Today, we're going to be discussing what life must be like to be on the Chauvin trial in Minneapolis. Would we serve on it? Would we do everything we could possibly do to get off of it? Could these end up being the most, some of the most important people of this year? depending on how this verdict goes down. We'll get into that today in the overtime, and you can watch it later today if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. We'll record it right after the show for you at blazetv.com slash days. All right, coming up on this show here today, our old friend Alex Berenson is back. Uh, he's got yet another... Uh, manifesto out uh, right now as we speak, updating us on vaccine efficacy and safety. We'll talk to him about that here at the bottom of the hour. We'll continue our series for Fake News or Not, looking at our new book, our best-selling new book, Fauci and Bargain, The Most Powerful and Dangerous Bureaucrat in American History. We'll get into that today for Pop Culture Tuesday. Uh, A spoiler alert, if you're not yet caught up on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you might want to wait and listen, watch that segment until you are, because Marvel is doing a a bit of a dive into racial politics. And I have a bit of a contrarian view on this, actually. I find it fascinating, but... Maybe I'm wrong to think that way. We'll, we'll get into that uh, coming up for Pop Culture Tuesday later in the program. But before we get into all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the biggest scam since the last one. Yesterday, the D.C. medical examiner told the Washington Post the cause of death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. He died of natural causes following a pair of strokes a day after the events at the Capitol. It's now official. The official narrative surrounding the events at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th is a load of bunk. That five people died from the violent, supposedly armed mob is a total lie. First Thanks to the investigative reporting from Julie Kelly at American Greatness, we know amongst the charges filed against over 200 people arrested for misconduct that day, only 14 defendants face 
any sort of weapons charge. Then we learned the cause of death of three of the supposed slain, amphetamine overdose, stroke, and heart attack. Last week, as you know, the Department of Justice announced they'll not be charging the Capitol Police officer who fatally shot and wounded Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt, which brings us to a total of one death from the incident, the murder of an Air Force veteran at the hands of Capitol Police. As the narrative crumbles, dozens of those involved with the events at the Capitol still sit in solitary confinement, and they have a new ally. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Dick Durbin, among others, are now calling for an end to the solitary confinement of those involved. Warren told Politico, quote, Solitary confinement is a form of punishment that is cruel and psychologically damaging, and we're talking about people who haven't been convicted of anything yet. Moving on, closing arguments have now wrapped up in the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin related to the death of George Floyd. The defense yesterday made a formal complaint regarding Congresswoman Maxine Waters' comments on the trial, to which the judge replied, I wish elected officials would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law and to the judicial branch in our function. I think if they want to give their opinions, they should do so in a respectful and in a manner that is consistent with their oath to the Constitution. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry is getting an early start on fanning the riot flames. Regardless of the outcome of this trial, regardless of the decision made by the jury, there is one true reality, which is that George Floyd was killed at the hands of police. So is Minnesota Governor Tim Walz. Systemic and fundamental changes will need to be made. It needs to be started with systemic public safety reforms. Some very simple truths that I think we can all agree on, and let's work from there. No one should die for a simple traffic violation. In other news, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis talks about his only regret over the past year with Tucker Carlson. And I'm trying to make sense of this virus. It seemed to me that this was something that was risky for elderly people. Yeah. Didn't seem like there was much risk in people, not just kids, but even people who were in reasonably good health who were, say, under 50. Um, But I didn't really have the proof of that in Florida. So when they did the 15 days to slow the spread and some of that stuff, you know, we followed that. Whereas I think if I had had uh, had more data, I would have had the ability to say, wait a minute, you know, why would we need to, you know, close a gym for two weeks? I mean, these are younger people going to work out. If you're healthy, you're going to end up dealing with the virus better. And so I think that it took me a few weeks, March and into April, to get enough data to say, okay, you know, we're not doing Fauciism. You know, we're going to make sure our state's open. We're going to get the kids back into school and we'll just focus our protection on elderly people. DeSantis also recently signed into law an anti-rioting bill. Lockdown Barbie Gretchen Whitmer violated her own state's travel restrictions for a personal trip to West Palm Beach, Florida recently, checking in on Kamala Harris. These opportunities are equally available to women as well as men. Because there's an interesting fact, in case you didn't know, Hard hats are actually unisex. <laughs> Everybody's laughing. We are laughing. <laughs> and finally, Daily Defiance, where the star is you and the story is taking back your country. We'll begin our journey in the conservative Valhalla known as Southeastern Pennsylvania, where one of our listeners named Megan was minding her own business, shopping at Aldi, when this mask hole showed up. You don't need a mask. I'm just asking you. You don't think you need a mask? I'm sorry, what was that? No, we have a security problem. This man's harassing me, and it's problematic. He does not have any right to harass me. 
I don't know if it's your 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 thing to harass women, sir, but it's not okay. Megan also went to Costco later that day without a mask and got kicked out, so you probably don't want to cross her. Also, here's John in D.C. right in front of the Capitol where they still have an outdoor mask mandate. And Marvy from the People's Republic of California who had the unmitigated gall to walk around Karen Central, a.k.a. Target, with no mask. Thanks to everybody who emailed their submissions yesterday. If you'd like to submit your daily defiance for the montage, tweet me at Dace Producer or using the hashtag Daily Defiance, or you can email this new address daily defiance 1776 at gmail.com and that's what happened while we were away uh looks like you got more emails than you thought so you had to create a new one so what happened i didn't say that out loud no no yeah. i did though that's a yeah. good thing though it is it's that, a very good thing. you sent out the call and there is uh there's plenty of, of people that want to shout your defiance yes uh out there uh to the rest of america so thank you all for that aaron's montage brought to you by home title lock you know we've been warning you for a while now about home title theft this is where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and then they become the owner uh we've been telling you that's why you want to get home title lock uh because it might be coming your way well if you're on facebook beware uh they just had a big data breach 500 million accounts is that a lot i think that's a lot uh, 500 million accounts now exposed to cyber thieves who have everything they need um in order to go after your home your name address personal information it's now out there and the thieves can forge your signature on a quick claim deed stating you have sold your home to them because our home titles are kept online uh, for most of us these days and then they stick you with the debt or maybe even the foreclosure and eviction so do what we've been urging you to do get protection from our friends at home title lock first of all go to home TitleLock.com. Register your address to see if you're already a victim. And then while you're there, get 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach. Again, HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO. Promo code RADIO and get 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to the rest of what is in Aaron's montage. And... um. Is there a Republican Party in Michigan? I believe, wasn't it about this time last year we had a, I was just a House say, Speaker? Yes. Yeah? And he's, if, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember his name, but I seem to recall nice-looking young man, right? Yeah. Didn't look like he was much older than Aaron, uh, maybe in his mid-30s. Right. And articulate. Yeah. Obviously, if you're the Speaker of the House of a major uh, state like Michigan, at that age... You've got ambitions, right? You've got some gifts. One right? would think. Hope. One would, one would think. So, where, where, where's where, where's he at? Should be a household name today. I, this is the thing that is stifling. I I remember when Ted Cruz was emerging as a rookie freshman phenom force in the Senate. And the questions that went around about him, it was like he was too good to be true. It was like if, if any of us had become a senator, this is the stuff we would say and do, and he was doing it, yes. right? And I, I have friends of mine who served in Congress or um, are active in conservative political circles and conservative media text me call me up and what do you think is this guy legit now i i mean i'd met him once in passing he didn't know anything about him yet 
And my answer was always the same. I, I don't, I kind of don't care. Now, when he comes to, when he comes back around about a year later and decides he wants to run for president, then I kind of do care, right? But I don't live in Texas, right? He's not my senator. Um, and if his motivations are all ambition, if it's just pure, unbridled ambition, then at the very least, he is demonstrating that saying and do the th- doing the things we have often demanded Republicans do is profitable. So we were right. You know what I'm saying? He's like, he's proving my point either way. I mean, this guy's yes. legit. That's great. Okay. Like, like, and it turns out he is for the most part legit. I only say for the most part, because nobody's perfect. All right. Uh, look long enough at anybody. I'm not Gary Harding anybody. Follow me around. I'm not cheating on my wife. So we did. And you were. So no one, no one gets the complete Betty Crocker seal of approval un- until they wake up in eternity and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Fair? Yes. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah. So- as, as he's, I know him very well. He's close, pretty close. I'm comfortable saying that to the real thing. Doesn't mean he's not always right, or he's always right, and doesn't mean he doesn't have blind spots. But in terms of his the, his basic instincts and motivations, he's pretty close to the real thing. I mean, uh, his dad Raphael, who I adore, basically um, gently and lovingly Marv Marinoviched him. I mean, he, from <laughs> um, if you remember Todd Marinovich, the guy who's quarter, the, the former quarterback for the in the pros in USC, whose dad, uh, who's a former football player, raised him from infancy to to be, almost be this perfect specimen of a football player, but also drove him insane while doing so. Uh, Raphael did it as a labor of love. I mean, I bet you Ted knew uh, the Ninth Amendment right after the ABCs, I and mean, he was groomed for this. Okay, but I didn't know that at the time. And so chances are it was 50-50 flip a coin. Is this guy legit or is this guy just, you know, um, seizing the day? But if it was the latter, that was okay with me at that point too because it showed that we're right. Do the stuff we say to do. Say the stuff we say to say and you will be rewarded for this. Nothing wrong with that. And every relationship has at least a little transactionalism. Everyone does. There's no more sacred human relationship on planet Earth than husband and wife. I mean, when Moses, when Moses ushers marriage as an institution into existence, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one. The word one that he uses there is the same word in Hebrew he uses later on for one of the most sacred prayers of Judaism. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. I mean, that's pretty sacred standing for the marriage covenant, right? Top, top of the mountain stuff, yes. And yet, despite that, despite that, what have mamas been telling their baby girls about marriage from time and memoriam? He ain't gonna... Buy the cow if you do what? Give them the milk for free. Give them the milk for free. So even in something as sanctified as marriage, there's at least some element of transactionalism to it. Every human interaction has some element to it because we're materialistic beings and sinful. So there's some element. Now, you don't want to be primarily driven by transactionalism in life, but the idea that we can just remove all self-interest whatsoever from the equation, let us not, we're consenting adults here, let us not pee on each other and claim that it is raining and lie about human nature. So even if Ted was just playing a role, the fact that it was elevating him as a guy, as a freshman phenom senator uh, into the political stratosphere did us a solid 
Because at the very least, it proved there's a market for this if someone's willing to capitalize. There is a, there is a large audience that wants this fight and wants these things said. And I look at the state of Michigan right now. Ironically, what am I wearing today? I'm wearing a Block M Jumpman pullover. I know a little bit about the state of Michigan. I have a little vested interest in it. I grew up there. My favorite sports teams are all still there. Um, next to my wife and kids, my favorite person in the world, my mama still lives there. I've got lots of family members and friends still there. I, I care a little bit and have a little bit of knowledge of what goes on there. Okay. Is there a Republican Party in Michigan? At least lie to us. I mean, if you guys can't just, just completely, just cynically pounce on Gretchen Whitmer trekking to the COVID hellhole of Florida, which isn't. Last week, she said one of the reasons she gave for why Fauciism has failed your state is because too many of you went to Florida and came back with COVID. She said this. No shame whatsoever. She was one of them. At this point, if you won't just lie to us cynically, Michigan Republican Party. I mean, at least, dude, say what you want about root and branch. But in the end, man, he didn't earn the name Cocaine Mitch for nothing. Know what I'm saying, G? It takes a certain figure to go from no one's ever been voted out of office for spending too much money to showing up at CPAC waving an AR-15, right? There's a certain panache, or is it panache? Maybe it's just shamelessness. But outside of the fact he fits the stereotype of the type of Republican literally everyone hates, including a lot of Republicans. Everyone hates this kind of Republican. Everybody does. How has Ditch survived this long? How has he elevated himself to such immense power with, frankly, so little obvious gifts? He's not articulate. He's not photogenic. He's not charismatic. He's not inspirational. Has no courage of conviction. And as Robin Williams once said in Good Morning Vietnam, talking about Richard Nixon's testicles, frankly, he's soft, shallow, and serves no purpose. And yet, here he is, your Senate majority, minority, whatever, Republican leader for life. How? How? How has this occurred? Because let me tell you, let me tell you what cocaine Mitch's spiritual gift is. Opportunism. If there is anything, if there's anything Mitch knows how to do, it's rub your belly. He knows how to do that. Which is why we were all so blown away by what happened with the, with the latest uh, budget issue right before the Georgia runoff. For, for Mitch to come right out and say, I will not be bullied into giving you more of your money. Like the rest of his career, we anticipated he would like offer three times more of our money for free than the Democrats would and then call that conservatism. We were like totally blown away that now when we actually need to buy voters off, suddenly ditch can't be counted on and there went two Senate seats, right? Remember this? I do. This was the one time we needed ditch. Please buy some people off. No, I can't. I won't. And I won't be bothered. I won't be bullied. We're going to fund gender studies uh, uh, that we're going to stun prickly studies in Pakistan instead. 
Now, now you care? Now you've got some principles. The first time we asked you to shed them, you now have some? This like never works for us. <laughs> the process never works in our favor. Is there anybody in the Michigan Republican Party that's ever thought, I don't know, 10 seconds about being governor of Michigan? Maybe ever, ever, ever. You guys can't even be bothered to lie to us anymore. You can't even be bothered to just cynically, politically capitalize. There's, this isn't even low-lying fruit. Somebody picked it off the highest limb, broke their neck coming down from the tree, and then strained themselves via torso like Zacchaeus crawling to you, handing you this ripened fruit, starving and said, I really could use this, but... I'm going to give it to you instead. And you're like, nah, I got nothing. Oh, they, the Michigan GOP sent a tweet out last night. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer's literally, literally signing up for, I'm your Huckleberry. I'm the reverse Ron DeSantis. I'm the one you'll all be running against in 2022 on the right. And the Michigan Republican Party's like, Rectum barely knew him. What is the Michigan Republican Party? This John James guy, hasn't he run for the last two yeah. elections for something? Yeah. Seems like a pleasant fellow. If you've run twice two second two elections in a row, clearly you want to hold public office, right? Yeah. Where's he at? I just love how principled our show was yesterday. It was like once more into the breach today. It's like clown car music. Yes. <laughs> because this is this is this is gold. Political gold, folks. Gretchen Whitmer just lifted a cheek and squeezed out a golden egg, man. And the Michigan Republican Party's like, hey, we can buy seeds in Michigan now. I, I just <laughs> Okay, it's whatever. It's all so dumb. It, it is. <laughs> it's just like Gretchen Whitmer's literally like, I don't want to be governor anymore. Put me out of my misery. This job's too hard. I want to cry into my Anthony Fauci pillow. And the Michigan Republican Party just won't even bother. They're, like, what did, they're comatose. They won't even show up. Are they, are they there? Uh, he's dead, Jim. I, I, it's just, are they, are, is there, can someone confirm for this program there's a Michigan Republican Party? Isn't actually Romney McDaniel, isn't she from that state, the head of the RNC? Which may actually explain it. Is there a Michigan Republican Party? Is there anyone in Michigan that holds elected office? Anyone? Anyone that's thought for three seconds, a nanosecond, I I could be governor one day. I could do that. Anybody, any Fredos in the audience? I could do things. I'm smart. Anybody. For three seconds. Here's your chance. Step into the void, the breach, exploit it. We're begging you to please exploit us. Last December, we couldn't get Mitch McConnell for the first damn time ever to not sell out. Now we're on the show begging you, please exploit us. Please, please. We're begging to be exploited here. Is there a Michigan Republican Party? Hello, McFly. Is there anybody there? Hello. Is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. Is there anyone home? Nope. So, Gretch for life, bitches. Moving on. Um, 
I'm sorry, was, was Ron DeSantis articulating uh, leadership there? Did, did, was he indicating that he yeah. he said something about looking at data? Yeah. Waiting to see what data was before acting or overreacting and following the data once it came in. It was a nice humble brag. Did you did you catch that as well? That that hum, humble brag that uh, DeSantis had. The only regret I had was was following any of this nonsense voodoo for any amount of time whatsoever. Yes. Yes, I I, I noticed that. He's in Florida, you know, where the average margin of victory in the last half a century of presidential elections has been two and a half points. I, I think he won his his election by like less than 50,000 votes, didn't he? Four years close. Ago? Yeah. He's in Florida, guys. He's in Florida. He's in Florida, man. Just going Danny DeVito, one flew over the cuckoo's nest every day. Hit me. Hit me. He's just like going all in. Every day, just all in on everything. I'm all in. I'm just all in. Just pushing my chips in. I don't care. I'm all in every day. Come at me. It's like, Governor, I want that smoke. That's who he is. And he's in the most expensive, contested swing state in the country, full of numerous, full of numerous major markets, two or three different cultures. I, I just... And we're sitting here, we were talking with Bob Vanderplot yesterday. We don't know who, like, we know that he's their target. But we couldn't sit here today and say, that's definitely the person the Democrats are going to run against him. They're in a bit of disarray as we speak. He's got his legislature preemptively moving against rioting. Did you hear the address he gave yesterday? I just loved it. It was so douchey. I loved every second of it. If you riot, you will go to jail if you break anything you will go to jail if you hurt anyone you will go to jail if you destroy any property yes you will go to jail that's that's how he summarized it did you guys hear that yesterday i don't know if people realize this i think he's like harvard educated or something and he's just up there like if you do any bad things you will go to jail if i don't like you you will go to jail if you were white after Labor Day, even though it's not yet Memorial Day, you will go to jail. In fact, you will just go to jail preemptively. We have lots of jails. You will go there. He's like Pedro <laughs> from that movie. I will make all your dreams, dreams come, come true, true in yes, jail. Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. I just cracked up watching this yesterday. It was just... Oh. How, how can we do this in Florida and not in every single actual red state. Why, why can't this be done in West Virginia, Oklahoma, I think Mississippi, the, I think the Texas. Dude code has something to say about that. I think that there is a certain dude code notion. I mean, you're right. He gave you some humble brag. There was some real ego in that uh, interview clip there with Tucker that you played, Aaron. It ain't, it ain't bragging if you can do it. That's though. right. And you know what we, you know where we're, we're missing some of that good old fashioned masculine ego. You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. Not oh, not the the swag, make a a, a a clown out of myself at some sporting event. That's no no, that's showboating. Just some basic like, I'm yeah I know what I'm doing and I'm totally cool with the fact that you know that I know what I'm doing and so if you can do better than me, cool. But you're gonna have to show me. That's been missing a lot around here in this thing called America. 
some good old fashioned masculine throw. I'm going to throw my considerable weight around ego. That's been missing around here in this dying Indeed. Western civilization for far too long, has Indeed. it not? Indeed. Well, if you're tired of pain in your rear end, politicians, Omega XL is the product for you, especially if they're what's causing your inflammation. Chances are your stiff, your stiff neck joints, uh, back. Uh, for me, it's the left hip flexor, shoulder, whatever the case may be, whatever is causing those aches and pains. Hey, if you've got a real injury, make sure you go get it medically treated. But if you're dealing with the chronic variety, chances are inflammation is the cause. And you could use those pain relievers and topical rubs, and they will help you treat the symptoms. But um, there's a reason why you got to keep using them over and over again. They don't actually treat what's causing it, and that's the inflammation. And if you don't deal with that, it could cause something more serious later on down the line. Thankfully, you've got a great product that will do just that for you backed by 35 years of clinical research omega xl will attack the inflammation that's causing your pain it's a product that i use as a part of my daily regimen as well i recommend you give it a shot and right now if you do you can buy one and get a second bottle for free buy one and get a second bottle for free when you visit omegaxl.com slash steve that's omegaxl.com slash steve or give them a call at 800-844-4888 that's 800 800- 844-4888. All right, when we come back, Alex Berenson back on the program again. We'll get the latest of his research on the efficacy and safety of the vaccines. We'll get into that here in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is how bad it is for the Michigan Republican Party. Email I just received. Michigan Republican Party is missing in action, but they do have a website. Maybe it's just a front, LOL. That is from Elizabeth, who identifies as a California Republican. Michigan Republican Party is so bad so pathetic you're now getting trolled and rightfully so i might add by california republicans time for the steve carrill You know, we all know the detrimental impact of too much screen time for the kids, whether it's the content they're actually looking at when they're online uh, or the shortening of the attention spans, the loss in creativity. That's why we need some better ways for our children and grandchildren to use their downtime. And one of those could very well be Annie's Kit Clubs. They have the perfect subscription box for both boys and girls for the guys. They've got the Young Woodworkers Kit Club. That's a monthly subscription that puts real tools into your child's hands and they're going to get an all-in-one woodworking kit every month with the materials and tools they need to make an awesome woodworking project with minimal supervision. And for the girls, uh, there's Annie's Creative Kit Club or Creative Girls Club, which sends two fun craft, uh, fun craft projects every month, uh, complete with easy to follow instructions that kickstarter creativity through painting, beading, and more. So help your kids to develop some actual skills 
beyond just this all the time, okay? Uh, and new crafting techniques and real-world skills that will help them, uh, you know, maybe make a living one day while also expressing their creativity. Makes a great gift. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Save 75% off your first shipment at Annie's kitclubs.com slash steve that's annie's kitclubs.com slash steve and along the lines of of annie's kit clubs and it's a-n-n-i-e-s by the way when our daughter anna graduated or she's the oldest when so she's the first to graduate when she graduated uh it was two years ago now and and she was homeschooled all the way through so we did a homeschool graduation with a lot of other homeschool families around the state and I can't tell you, it was several young men who came up to me uh, that either knew Anna or I taught them in the homeschool co-op in the worldview course. And they told me that their plans were, I don't make it look like it was all the guys, but it was, it was, it was more than one. It was several of these guys. Their plans were uh, to make uh, a career out of YouTube. Now Aaron's doing the Steve Carell gif. And uh, hey, I, I hate to be the guy that's the kid born to the 15-year-old mom, got kicked out of college for not attending a class, and now I'm sitting here on one of the largest platforms in America doing a daily show. <laughs> but understand, uh, it was a broken road to get here, folks. It was a lot of jobs at Manpower, the temp agency, not the gay bar. Uh, it was uh, mail rooms uh, slotting at Blue Cross, Blue Shield. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it took a lot of uh, stops and starts and mistakes to get to this place. I kind of think y'all might need a more of a backup. Aaron, am I wrong? Is that like a generational thing with you guys? Unfortunately, I mean, I know people my age who want to apparently do this. As a side project, I mean, as a as kind of a side project working towards full time employment. We had these conversations a couple of years ago, back when we had the luxury of debate, debating video games and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a generational thing, and it's it's not a good thing. I don't think it's time to cue the reverse Pedro on that one. You cannot make all your dreams come true. <laughs> all right, we are we are efforting Alex Berenson. In the in the meantime. There was another aspect of Aaron's montage we we need to talk about, and and I think maybe in a more similar vein, or, or, or I'm sorry, more serious vein. Um, what if anything about the January sixth narrative is true? Nothing. What if what if anything is? My wife is starting to be radicalized by all of this. The only reason I'm not is because I was radicalized by Kavanaugh already. Um, that was that was that was a breaking. Kavanaugh was a breaking point for me. That I could be, I, I could be so disgusted with an obvious and terribly conducted and performed character assassination with no merit whatsoever that I I could be put into the place where I am going to the wall for a judge that I know, I know and told all of you is going to knife us repeatedly for the next 30 years if we last that long as a civilization. 
that we'll, we'll be pining away for the days of Anthony Kennedy. We're, we at least knew there was at least a 50-50 shot. He was the Harvey Two-Face of the Supreme Court for about 20 years. There were some days, some days he felt like a nut, sometimes he didn't. He didn't know. But the day he could wake up on your side of the bed that day, right? There was at least a fighting chance. This guy, no. Almost no chance on most issues. And yet, there I was, man, going to the wall for Brett Kavanaugh on the basis of how that entire narrative was obviously a facade. And now we sit here with what happened on January the 6th. And and like none of what we were told has turned out to be true. None of it has. To the point now you've even got Democrat members of the Senate saying, hey, it, it's it's time for these folks to be let go. This has gone on for too long. And this would this was this would actually tie into the conversation we were planning on having with Barrenson if we can make the connection work. Because we're sitting in regions of the country right now. Remember the how fast can we get the supply of vaccines up to meet the demand? And the original thing was by the 4th of July. Now it's Memorial Day. I think the president said just yesterday, didn't he? That any adult now that would like to get a vaccine, we have enough, right? And we have yet several regions of the country where the supply of vaccines is outpacing demand. They've got, they've got vials and vials of unused samples. How much of that is because... They just lie to us about everything else. They just lie to us about everything else. And therefore, why would we trust them on something even as fundamental as our own health care? I mean, you have Anthony Fauci yesterday on Sunday on CNN specifically naming Republicans as the group he was pushing back on. You know, like every other uh, public health official, chief infectious disease expert should do, um, that otherwise wants to be seen as a partisan hack. What if anything? So the first, the first impeachment was because of a Ukrainian phone call. The narrative was that was a, it was a Ukrainian phone call in which the president demanded a quid pro quo of dirt on the Bidens in exchange for continued foreign aid to the Ukraine, correct? Mm-hmm. And then we found out after that deed was done that actually the Department of Justice had known for months and months and months that there was a laptop out there that previously belonged to Hunter Biden, which at least provided prima facie evidence of the kind of wrongdoing uh, that the that Trump was being impeached for allegedly trying to dig up, right? Yes. So the first impeachment, that narrative just completely blown asunder, just gone. The death of Officer Sicknick is specifically mentioned in the second impeachment as something that Trump and his comments were responsible for. Correct. Now that narrative has completely blown up. Point of order. Have, have there been consequences for any of these narratives? I, I believe up? Julie Swetnick is still somewhere, somewhere marauding throughout, uh, tiptoeing th- through the tulips of America, uh, despite going on national television and 
accusing Brett Kavanaugh of being a marauding part of a marauding band of uh, Georgetown gang rapists in 1982. Tell you bloody the bullies know. Yes. They don't stop. I I agree. My view on sexual assault is very simple. Rape should be a capital crime. And if you make a false allegation, that is at least 10 years in prison. Everybody on each side of the equation should be sent a message of how serious of an infraction against um, both uh, the individual who's the victim, but then society writ large, uh, when you politicize or make false allegations of such a serious charge, every, everybody on both sides of that ought to be, I don't know, going in. We are not, this is not to be trifled with. We're not being frivolous about this. And if you are, you will pay for it. But is is it surprising that a growing, there's a poll out yesterday, Anthony Fauci's approval amongst Biden voters, 85%. His approval amongst 2020 Trump voters, 14%. Now let's stop and think for a second. How did most voters, Trump or Biden, first hear of Anthony Fauci? Who gave him a platform? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Who who knighted Anthony Fauci at this time last year? Who was who was who was nomine patre, peace be upon him, whatever whatever religious viewpoint you want to come from, who bestowed this grandeur and and beatification upon Anthony Fauci to the rest of the country? Who did this? The originally? Republican president of the United yeah, States. Yeah, Donald Trump did. And now it's his own voters a year later that only 14% of them. Approve of the guy. Trust the guy. So this isn't a case of, um, well, they were skeptical from the beginning, or, or Trump was skeptical from the beginning, and his cult-like base just uh, just changed whatever viewpoints they had in order to align with the Cheeto Jesus saves. No. This skepticism actually grew in spite of the standing he was offered by Trump within Trump's own voting bloc. We saw this play out last year. Our show, depending on which metric of growth you look at, whether it's a Pluto TV or you know iTunes or Blaze TV, we grew two to three hundred percent last year. Our show did, and the number one driving vehicle is that we spent most of the year being skeptical of the very policies and proclamations about coronavirus that were even being ushered all too often within the Trump. White House or by Trump himself. And that was primarily with a lot of us that voted for Trump. That growth came from a lot of us that voted for Trump in the election. This distrust, which Trump is now public about sharing now, it transcends him. It pre-exists Trump's sharing of distrust of Fauci. And when he goes on one network on one on, on, on Sunday and says... That if you get vaccinated, you must, if, if you take this experimental substance, which is what it is, it is not FDA approved. It was, it was, it was approved for emergency authorization because apparently the situation was just that serious. So if you take this substance, you still must belong to the leper colony of COVID stand. You can't have your life back. And then he goes on another show on another network that exact same Sunday on CNN later on in the day and goes on there and says, it's just paradoxical that 
You Republicans want the restrictions to go away, but you're the least likely to get vaccinated. You're the paradoxical one, bro. You went on one show and told us to risk this substance and get nothing in return, and then went on another show and told us that if we don't risk this substance, we can't return. Which is it? Which one is it? This is why... This is why we must reestablish some plumb lines of truth. We, we keep talking about this in Fauci and Bargain quite a bit. The idea of a 9-11 style tribunal to get answers to some key questions here. Because we are not promised anywhere in history or the word of God that we will not face in our day and age a truly cataclysmic outbreak contagion plague they have occurred throughout human history and now we've told one half of the country find meaning in the plague that never was and now we've and and then we've told the other half of the country when the plague we've long been warning you about shows up don't fear it ignore it it's just another gaslighting scam for power That's a dangerous place for a culture to be. And that's right where we're parked right now. At that vortex, which is really a black hole. We've got to get answers. We have to not permit things to be memory hold. Vegas shooter, Nation of Islam shooter. Well, this shooting didn't match the the narrative, so so it's gone now. That stuff is killing us as a society. Cynicism and nihilism are not discernment. Don't conflate the two. Cynicism and nihilism come from a belief in the absence of truth. That it cannot be attained and acquired. It's very hard for those of us who believe in the way, the truth, and the life to share the reasons for the hope that we have when we abandon the idea that truth can be obtained. That's not discernment. Skepticism is discerning. But cynicism and nihilism are where we go when we've given up. That we can even know those things or they can be found and anyone would care. And when a people goes there, you know, it's always the people too that claim they're the most cynical and nihilistic. They're the ones most ripe to be ruled. Mencken once said that it, behind every cynic is a romantic just dying to get out. Show the nihilist and the cynic who prides himself on being coarsened. Show him a little leg of sincerity and they will come hither. Right? Aren't you seeing that in the last year? How many of these people that are now bowing the knee to Lord Farquaad, St. Fauci, would have told you before, I don't believe that, Trump. I know he's a liar. I know he doesn't. Right? Yes. Yeah. I know this is all a scam. I know he stole the election from Hillary. Suddenly along now comes comes somebody clothed in white, speaking with forked tongue, and those exact same people now have abandoned all their cynicism and nihilism, right? Yep. And cannot wait to follow the guiding light. Hour two is next.
We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the best way to access it by emailing the program. That's D-E-A-C-E, but it is not the only. Uh, you can follow at Steve Dace Show on Twitter or look for my name, Steve Dace, on Facebook, MeWe, Gab, and Parlor. If you like uh, edited and censored clips of the program and who doesn't like them some censorship these days go to youtube.com slash steve dace or if you are a rare breed uh, you're still an american uh, you can get unedited clips of the program at rumble.com slash steve dace show and if you get the podcast thank you very much we appreciate all of you please show your appreciation for us if you haven't done so already hit that subscribe button and also leave us a five-star review if you like us don't lie now, if you kind of like us, you can certainly embellish and just go ahead and give us the full five stars. If you don't, though, maybe just keep that to yourself, all right? Because we have fragile male egos. Thanks to all of you that have sent us one of those five-star reviews already. I'm told, I cannot verify this, but like a lot of the uh, fellow uh, lemmings, I'm sorry, um, uh, 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 countrymen we're surrounded by these days, the experts tell me that the more of you that like it, the more the algorithms like us. I have no way to verify that. So just... Uh, thank you anyway, and and keep liking us because, again, we have fragile male egos. Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Real Estate Agents I Trust. You know, trying to sell your home in any environment can be challenging, but especially in these unprecedented times. Bing. There you go. I've mentioned before uh, our real estate agent, uh, Scott, who helped us with our last move 15 years ago. We were selling our old house and moving into the new one where we ended up raising our kids at the same time. It was highly stressful. Couldn't have done it without him. And of course, like the uh, great American he is, Scott found out that one of his old clients had a number one best-selling book and sent me a text this morning. Hey, you guys planning on moving on up? Need an agent? <laughs> I said, uh, dude, I'm too lazy uh, to do that again. All right. But maybe you are not. Or you're thinking, I live in like Minnesota, California. I got to get the H-double hockey sticks out of here. Whatever the case may be, we can find you an agent with a verified, validated track record of success just about anywhere in America at realestateagentsitrust.com. The name kind of says it all. Check out the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. We'll get into some Pop Culture Tuesday here at the bottom of the hour. Marvel and its new hit show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, delving in to racial politics. And, and I am actually fascinated by the approach that they're taking. Uh, so we'll get into that with Pop Culture Tuesday at the bottom of the hour. But let's get to fake news or not. And f this week, uh, the efforting has been successful. We're joined by our good friend, Alex Berenson. It's good to have you back with us, Alex. How are you? hear you and i can see you but i guess you can't see me well that's okay the audience can hear you and that's what matters the most um you have kept up this really uh, uh i think successful and necessary series of works unreported truths about covid19 and lockdowns the latest edition you have out uh came out just a couple of weeks ago on vaccines let's let's start with the vaccine effort and give us your big picture summation of it, Alex, based on the data that you've looked at. Sure. So the vaccines, uh, you know, first of all, there's, you know, there's several different subcategories of vaccines. The ones used in the U.S. are mostly from Pfizer and Moderna, especially with this pause with the J&J &J vaccine. Those are called mRNA vaccines. 
they they take a little piece of genetic material, uh, fold it into a tiny little ball of essentially fat that gets uh, inserted into your cells. You get injected with you know literally billions of these RNA uh, balls. And then they go into your cells, they, they take over a piece of cellular machinery, and they pump out a bit of a protein called a spike protein. And then your immune system reacts to that. And so when you get, uh, when and if you're exposed to the coronavirus, uh, the coronavirus also has these spike proteins on its shell. So your, so, so your immune system reacts more quickly and vigorously to the coronavirus than it otherwise would. Now that's the theory, and to be to be honest, those that theory is correct. These these work as promised in that sense. They do cause your body to generate the spike protein, and for many people who are uh, infected with coronavirus, they are going to have a better and more vigorous immune response uh, to the coronavirus, and and possibly um, you know have a less serious infection than they otherwise would. So that's the good news, and. Um, and that good news, I mean, you can hear that over and over and over and over again in the, you know, in, in most of the media and from public health authorities. Um, what you don't hear is the other side of the story, uh, which is which is sort of twofold. First of all, although these vaccines generate this response, in older people they generate less of a response mm-hmm. as a rule. Now, there's always going to be exceptions, but as a rule, they generate less of a response. And what do we know about the coronavirus more than anything else? We know that it impacts older people the most, that, you know, that they're much more likely to become seriously ill or die from the coronavirus than other people uh, or than younger people. And so so there's a real risk that some of the people who need the protection from the coronavirus the most um, won't get it from the vaccines because and you see this with the flu vaccine, too, on a smaller scale. The vaccine just doesn't help the people who need it the most because their immune systems can't really respond the way younger people's do. Okay, that's one issue. And the second issue is side effects. And, you know, with the side effects profile of these vaccines is considerably more severe, um, you know, orders of magnitude more severe than the flu vaccine. Um, and I'm just talking in that case about side effects that we knew when we, when we authorized them you know, coming out of the clinical trials, the clinical trials showed that a lot of people spiked a significant fever. A lot of people had really bad responses in the short term. Um, you know, they might be laid out for a few days. They might have really swollen lymph nodes that these vaccines are not a joke in terms of just the short term side effects they cause. The, well, on top of that, there are issues around even more serious long term side effects or potentially deadly side effects that weren't seen in the trials, but that you know, since the vaccines have been put into wide circulation, have come out, and most notably for the for the J and J, the Johnson Johnson and the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is not sold in the U.S., there's this issue of a very of a very dangerous kind of blood clotting, um, where your platelets, um, you know, which help clot your blood, come under attack. It looks like from other parts of the immune system, and so you have low platelets at the same time you have these blood clots that can be in the brain. That can be, uh, you know, all over your body. There's something called disseminated intravascular co- uh, coagulation, which is very, very serious. 
And that has led Europe to, to well, I, I shouldn't say suspend because they haven't totally suspended, but it has led Europe to cut way back on the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And it's led the U.S. to, to at least temporarily suspend use of the J&J vaccine. And, and just one more point, and then I will, I will let you ask whatever you like. Mm-hmm. What's so striking about this is th- this side effect and a lot of the other side effects appear to hit young people much more than older people. So if the corona, the, the, the risks of the coronavirus are very, very stratified by age. We mm-hmm. know that. And the flip side of that is that the risk of the vaccine seems to run in the other direction. So as we had with, you know, as we had with lockdowns, as we have with school closures, as we have with masks, we're encouraging a lot of people to do something that may you know, if they knew more about it and knew more about what the risk benefit was for them personally, they might choose not to do it. And we're just sort of trying to stampede or in some cases even force them to do this thing because we think we need to get to 100 percent or close to 100 percent vaccinations if we're going to have herd immunity. And so when people say to me, hey, you know, you want the lockdowns to end, you you know, you want all schools to be open, you want us to be able to have a normal, completely normal lives. Why aren't you in favor of the vaccines? I say the reason I'm worried about the vaccines is the same reason I was worried about lockdowns and masks and school closures and everything else. And that is the promise of their effectiveness has been overstated. While at the same time, we've been essentially lied to about who's really at risk here. Alex Berenson with us, independent journalist. Of course, he has been one of the OGs on looking for truth and real data on COVID from the very beginning. He's now turned his attention to the vaccines. His latest work, Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns, Part 4, The Vaccines. You can get it right now over at Amazon.com. So, Alex, the J&J vaccine. What about the talking point? Uh, You don't shut down an entire vaccination process for six blood clots, right? I I saw that disseminated uh, in many places, uh, within my Twitter feed by some smart people last week when this announcement was made. How would you counter that? Or would you? So, so that's just ridiculous. Okay. And it's ridiculous for a number of levels. For, for, again, the J&J vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine are essentially twins. They don't work exactly the same, but they are. But they work almost exactly the same. And the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe has caused more than 250 of these events. Okay. It was 230 as of a few days ago, and then Britain reported even more. Now it's 250. And that's out of about 30 million doses given. Second of all, so, 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 and there's no reason necessarily to think that the J&J vaccine is any safer or less safe, because again, it's so similar in terms of, of how it works. We know that our reporting system in the U.S. is very dysfunctional for vaccine side effects. We know this takes this this um, this issue can take weeks and weeks to develop. So that that six is much more likely to be significantly higher than six. I'm not going to say it's 100 or 50, but we just don't know how many of these very, very serious side effects will come in. But there's an even bigger point, Steve, and that's this. There may well be other side effects that the J&J vaccine causes or that the Pfizer vaccine causes or that the or that the Moderna vaccine causes that are showing up. But because they're not so rare, they're not what um, doctors call such a signal event. We just haven't seen them yet. So let's say and, 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 and I want to be clear, this is hypothetical, but let's say that the Pfizer vaccine significantly increases your risk of stroke. OK, 
stroke is very common in the population. Mm-hmm. And and the way we report these is sort of on a voluntary basis through this system called VAERS, which then the CDC has to go look at and try to check out if the cases are real. So if, if the incidence of stroke is pretty high, even if the incidence is being raised significantly by the Pfizer vaccine, it's going to be hard to distinguish that from the background noise of the stroke. We didn't have that issue with with the J&J and AstraZeneca problem because it was so rare in the wild that the companies really didn't have a leg to stand on when they were arguing, oh, this is coincidence. So what I'm saying is that when you see something this troubling and this dangerous, it is prudent to A, to slow things down, especially because in the US we do have these other vaccines that we're continuing to give, and B, to wonder if there might not be other blood clotting events or other other you know, problems with the vaccines that are real that we're just not seeing yet. Let me play devil's advocate because I want our audience to hear you reason through this because we, we're not being permitted to have these conversations, as you well know right now, these yes. cross-examinations of each other, which are vitally important to be having. We're not being permitted to do this. And so I want our audience to get to be blessed by the opportunity to do it here when places like Twitter won't let us do it. The counter argument to what you just said, I would guess, would be, okay, you're right. There's far more than six in the UK, but you yourself said 250 blood clots out of 30 million doses. All right. That is a percentage of of point zero 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 eight three zeros eight. Meanwhile, the case fatality rate in many Western countries, such as the UK or the US for COVID is right around 1.8%, which would mean that there's a 224,900% more likelihood of you getting COVID and dying from it than getting getting one of these uh, AstraZeneca doses and dying from a blood clot. How would you respond to that? So again, the key issue here is risk by age. Um, And so, so much of the risk of COVID is in people who are over, over 70 and even over 80 and people in those age groups on top of that who are in poor health, who are, you know, morbidly obese or who have kidney disease. If you have, if you are, if you are under 40, Okay, not 20. If you're 40 and under, and I'm basing this on data from Italy, which has done a pretty good job of looking at this, and you have no comorbidities, in other words, you're not morbidly obese, you don't have a severe psychiatric condition, stuff like that, your risk of death from COVID is significantly less than one in 100,000. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's again, if you're under 40 and you're relatively healthy. The thrombocytopenic slash thrombotic risk alone from uh, from these vaccines, at least the AstraZeneca and the J&J vaccines, is probably similar to that risk for, for those two vaccines in that age group. And when I say under 40, I mean, that's, that's hundreds of millions of people in the United States and Europe. That's a significant number of people. They should be told the truth and given the opportunity to be vaccinated either, you know, either maybe, listen, sometimes regulators just say it's too risky for you. We're not going to let you do it. But if if the idea is we're going to give people the chance to make this decision, they need the truth about what the relative risks are here. And and look, I think you can argue this both ways, Steve. I think you can say, I'm an individual. I'm at low risk here. I'm going to let my immune system handle COVID if I get it. You can also say, look, I think getting a vaccine is good for the country. And even though there might be some risk to me, I'm willing to take that because I think in the long run, it's better if we all get vaccinated. That That to me 
should be, assuming that the risk of the vaccine isn't too terrible, Mm -hmm. a matter of individual choice based on an honest presentation of the facts by our government and health authorities. So the numbers that you quote, um, they're not necessarily wrong, although I would say that they probably understate the risk of the vaccine for this reason that we don't know all the risks of the vaccine. We don't count vaccine deaths as well as we count COVID deaths. But I would say even if you're correct, you're missing the age issue here. Mm -hmm. And you're missing the idea that people should be entitled to make their own health choices, in my opinion, based on a real knowledge of the risk. Let's go to Israel next, because I know you spent a lot of time early in the vaccination drive looking at their data. They were the most aggressively vaccinated, uh, vaccinating country probably in the free world. They have one of the per capita youngest populations in the free world as well. I believe they announced yesterday that uh, they're lifting their outdoor mask requirements in the country now that they've hit about an 80% vaccination rate. Yes. Your reaction to that and where Israel sits today? That's a great question. So so people keep saying, well, Israel proves that vaccines are really successful. Look how few deaths there are there right now. Look how few cases there are. And here's what I'd say. Israel, for a while, appeared to be having a real problem, especially in January and early February. The vac- they were vaccinating a lot of older people and deaths were actually rising. They were having a real outbreak. That has changed. It, it Now Israel has gotten through that sort of first dose spike that a lot of countries seem to see, and the curve is way down. Here's what I would say. If you go back and you actually look at, a, at Israel's curves, not since last January, not the last three months, but since the beginning of the epidemic, you'll see they had a spike over the late summer and things went way down. That was obviously pre-vaccination. Then they had a bigger spike as vaccines started and it's come way down. If I overlay that curve on Los Angeles County, which has similar weather to Israel, similar population as Israel, you will see almost exactly the same trends. Los Angeles County has had a marked decrease in, in cases and in positivity and in deaths since January. That is not to say that the vaccines may not be playing some positive role right now in Israel, but it is to say all those people who are like, oh, Israel proves the vaccines work. Well, then what happened in L.A. County and what happened in Israel last October and what happened in Britain, you know, which is another country where they vaccinate a lot of people and now has a very low rate last summer. Mm -hmm. Britain had almost no cases. Unfortunately, for and you will not hear this point of view again. You're right. Like it's very hard to have these honest conversations on Twitter or anywhere else. The problem from the people, the point of view of the vaccine advocates, which which they're just simply ignoring, is that the vaccines, if they've worked in Israel and Britain, have worked so slowly that it's basically impossible to separate out what they've done from the normal seasonal course of the epidemic. So if if the vaccines had broken the back of the of, of rising cases in Israel back in January, then I would say, wow, I, you know, I, I couldn't be more wrong about this. Look what they did. In a matter of weeks, they eliminated all the cases of COVID. That's not what happened. Israel is months along now, almost four months into its vaccination process. Actually, it is four months now. And it is just impossible to tell how much of the gains are from vaccination and how much are from the sort of normal seasonal course of the epidemic. And that is something that no one, aside from, you know, a handful of those of us who are really crunching the data and are outside the public health establishment, will tell you. A good friend of our show works in the Ron DeSantis administration down in Florida. And 
does a lot of their data analytics. Uh, you may have even encountered him. He was kind of in our uh, ad hoc, unaffiliated, we barely knew each other, just all started critically thinking at the same time, group of uh, of lockdown skeptics last year, Kyle Lamb. I don't know if that name sounds familiar to you. Oh, yes, yes. But he works for Governor DeSantis now. Uh, he was on our show a few weeks ago talking about their va- and, uh, their vaccination effort in Florida, what they have seen with their data shows. And what their data had shown is they have seen, I mean, he's taken the approach of prioritizing vulnerable demographics and the elderly. They did all of that first. He's got the second largest elderly population in the country down there. And now they are opening it up to the rest of the general population. He tells us they've seen about an 18% decrease in hospitalizations for seniors um, since they began their aggressive vaccination push for that population. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that's good news. Uh, you know, I, I know that there's this argument that, uh, you know, sort of in nursing homes, not just in, in Florida, but across the U.S., uh, deaths and, and cases are way down, down even more than you would expect based on trends in the general population in the last couple of months. And, um, you know, it does look to me like that is, uh, is probably true. Uh, and and that's a good thing. I mean, the, the argument is not whether vaccines may be somewhat beneficial or, you know, or even really beneficial in this older population. And I've never said if you're over 70, don't get vaccinated. Oh, you know, 65, 70, somewhere in there. Um, you know, it should be a it should be a relatively easy decision, even if your immune system isn't as likely to you know react to the vaccines. You're at higher risk from covid, much higher risk. And, you know, if you get some protection, that's a good thing. The question is, again, uh, you know, it's sort of twofold. It's one, whether whether people are telling the truth about the side effects and two, whether people have been told the truth about the real risks of COVID to, you know, whether it's a 19 year old college student who's going to be forced to be vaccinated by the college or whether it's a 30 year old who works at, a, you know, in an office or or a retailer and their employer is going to make it very difficult for them to continue to work without being vaccinated. I do not favor any kind of mandate or quasi mandate for these vaccines for, you know, for any of those people, because I think the risks to them are just too low to justify really any vaccine risk. And there's clearly some vaccine risk. Final thing, Alex, I want to ask you about, I mean, in a, in a past life, you were a reporter and an esteemed publication. So your reaction, just covering this from an analytical perspective, more than just, you know, digging down into the depths of the of the data as you just did for us. But analytically, when you see Anthony Fauci on, on two Sunday morning shows this past weekend and on Meet the Press, he goes on there and says that even after you're vaccinated, you're still really a member of the COVID Stan leper colony. And then goes on CNN later in the day and says, I don't know why these Republicans think they can ease restrictions unless we get more people vaccinated. Uh, he, he accused that uh, he, he used the phrase paradoxical thinking. Doesn't he understand he's actually guilty of it? What kind of a selling pitch is it? That's Risk these experimental vaccines and not get your life back. Who would, right. why, why, why wouldn't he expect there to be pushback against that? And, and frankly, I would imagine the Pfizer's and, 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 and of the world um, aren't really all that uh, ecstatic uh, with, with that messaging from America's infectious disease expert. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think that's a great point. I, you know, it's funny. You reminded me of something I wanted to say, which is, hey, congratulations to Israel. You let you say people can go outside without masks and you're going to reopen schools. Great. You're now where Florida was last September. <laughs> True. Okay. So so to me, to me, the Fauci has it exactly backwards. Right. We should be back to normal whether or not we're vaccinated. 
Okay. And that's been true for, uh, you know, basically since last summer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so this idea of the, you know, on the one hand, they're trying to hold out the vaccines as a carrot, you know, you know, if enough of us get vaccinated, we can get our lives back. On the other hand, they're sort of afraid to say that because they are afraid there is this phenomenon potentially that, um, you know, that the vaccines could actually worsen uh, they could cause variants to to develop that aren't so dangerous to vaccinated people, but are dangerous to unvaccinated people. There's certainly a theoretical risk of that, although I'm not saying it's really going to happen. And so they're in this and they know that the vaccines don't provide 100 percent protection. That's quite clear from Israel and everywhere else. So. So they're in this weird position of saying, you know, go get vaccinated and, you know, we promise down the road good things will happen. But right now they can't be happening. But why don't you want to get vaccinated if you want your life, your life back again? I think I mean, my position on this is not paradoxical. It's it's as clear as can be. We should be back to normal now. And the vaccination campaigns can proceed, you know, at their own pace. And and, you know, and people who want to get vaccinated can be it should be like the flu vaccine. And and by the way, you can say to me, this is more dangerous than the flu. And I will agree. I will agree with you. The coronavirus is more dangerous than the flu. Guess what? The coronavirus vaccine is orders of magnitude more dangerous than the flu vaccine. And so and so. If even if the coronavirus is more dangerous, even though it is more dangerous than the flu, there's no way you can you can sort of ethically compel people to take this vaccine, which is so much more dangerous than the flu vaccine. So that that's where I stand. And I agree with you. The messaging has been screwed up from from day one, as it has been with so many things, Steve. And I and I, I know you got to go pretty soon, but I'll just kind of leave you with this. Mm-hmm. You know, so I so I wrote on Reported Truths Part Four. Now I'm working on a, on a new book, which, uh, you know, which will be out later this year, which hopefully will be you know a fraction as successful as uh, as your book has been. Thank you. But um, as I'm as I'm doing research, I went back and looked at what was said about masks back in February and March, early March of 2020, mm-hmm. and it's incredible. It was unequivocal. Have you seen this? Have you seen the when we when we put Fauci and Bargain together? We saw studies that that Osterholm's Center in the University of Minnesota were publishing mm-hmm. like in April when we were already in the thirty days to slow the spread that clearly said masks don't work. And then you and then they've added disclaimers to them ex post facto. Have you seen this as well? That they've yes, done this I've with studies where like they like apologize that they once actually followed science on masks. That, that's right. That, that they once told the truth. But you go back and look at what Redfield said. And what, you know, and what Jerome Adams said and what Fauci said, it wasn't like, oh, masks might help you. It was these are useless, mm-hmm. useless. That's what was said about them. And they were right. So it, is no, <laughs> it is no wonder that after a year plus of this nonsense, people don't really trust people like Fauci anymore. How can they when the messaging has been so confused and changed so much? And again, I think the me- I don't want to speak for you, but my messaging is simple. We should be back to normal. I agree. And the, and whether or not people choose to wear a mask or choose to get vaccinated, or if you know you want to stay home and order everything from Amazon for the rest of your life, that is your choice. But there, the, the time for government mandates is over. Completely agree with that. Alex, great work. His entire series, Unreported Truths about COVID-19 and lockdowns, available on Amazon right now. Always appreciate your work and your availability, Alex. Thank you very much. Take care. Steve, great pleasure. Thank you. All right, gentlemen, what do you think uh, about our most recent conversation with the one and only Alex Berenson? Just a quick reminder that a guy like that, guys like us who've been doing our homework for 
uh, a year on this kind of stuff. We have no opponent greater than the magical thinking that has always been part of the vaccine culture. It's not unique in any way, shape, or form to the COVID vaccine. And if you defy it, it's always been my experience. There's a group of people out there who think you just want to kill people and say that to and your face. I think face. Alex refers to them as the vaccine church yes, on social it, media. Because yeah. that's what it is. I mean, hey, I, I'm the one that quoted him the odds. I, I, if, if, if I'm in the UK and I'm elderly and there's a 224, 224,900% higher likelihood I'm dying of COVID, than of a blood clot from an AstraZeneca vaccine. I don't know about you guys. I'm going with the AstraZeneca vaccine, guys. I'm, I'm playing those odds. But shouldn't that be a choice I get to make? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, uh, that you're talking like somebody who has uh, basic human freedom and liberty, not just uh, to do things outside, but to form, as you were talking about yesterday, to form your own conscience. Mm-hmm. And I saw... I mean, on the topic of, of Fauci, I saw something yesterday that I thought was fascinating. If you could if you could clone Dr. Anthony Fauci from the year 2020 in March and then bring that clone to Dr. Fauci now, do you think that would be a fun debate to listen to? Mm. That would be Fauci versus Fauci. That would be incredibly fun to listen to in my in my estimation. All right, we'll switch gears here after the break. Let's get into some Pop Culture Tuesday. Marvel delving into racial politics with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I, I, I'm i kind of fascinated by how they're handling it. We'll, we'll get into that. Maybe Todd, uh, he'll disagree with me. We'll get into that conversation here in just a moment. Stay tuned. Chaos that is 2021. Every law-abiding citizen needs to know how to defend your family and your freedom before, during, and after a self-defense incident may take place. That's why Patriot Academy's Constitutional Defense Course, which is hosted out at the uh, Front Sight Firearms Training Facility in Nevada, offers a unique combination of intellectual and physical training that you're not going to find anywhere else. Those of you that also listen to Daniel's podcast, and by the way, if you don't, you're missing out. That's a tremendous podcast that Daniel Horowitz, our friend, is doing over there at Conservative Review. But you've heard him talk about the constitutional defense course on his show. He's completed it now a few times. Well, now uh, they want to offer it to our audience as well, because Front Sight Firearms Training Institute is the premier firearms and self-defense training organization in the nation. Uh, they train approximately 50,000 people each year at their 500 plus acre complex that's just outside of Las Vegas. So if you're one of those people hungry, not just for training, um, but uh, also uh, for the worldview and the values behind the Second Amendment and the Constitution, you'll be amazed at how much you can learn about both as well as your liberty. So this course is for everyone, whether you have never held a weapon before or maybe you are very experienced. Either way, you're welcome. It is a family-friendly training program as well. Uh, They love to train entire families. If you'd like to go to either their May 30th or June 6th course today, you can get 90% off the training. Of course, you got to figure out your travel and accommodations, but 90% discount on the training itself at constitutioncoach.com. Again, constitutioncoach.com is where you want to go for that huge discount at constitutioncoach.com. I've already gotten several notes on social media and via email 
uh, just since we concluded the conversation with Alex Berenson. And I had a chance to ask him some of the questions that uh, those that are aggressively pushing uh, the vaccination effort have brought up uh, in in terms of challenges for whether the right decision was made with the J&J vaccine, for example, uh, the ratios of what goes on uh, in the UK. And I actually want to correct that. I gave the UK our CFR, which is 1.8% right now. That is our uh, case fatality ratio for COVID, which means uh, 1.8% of all COVID cases have ended in death in America. Um, the number in the UK is actually 2.8%, nearly twice as high, which also goes to show, again, lockdowns don't work. They've, have any, they've had an even worse lockdown there and longer and waves of them than we have had here, and yet they still have a, a much higher CFR. But even when you do that math, Hey, 250 uh, blood clot deaths is a lot, and chances are it's more than 250, but we'll go with that number. Um, Out of 30 million doses, well, if you do the math, you have a well over 100,000% chance of dying of COVID in the UK than you do of a blood clot from the AstraZeneca vaccine. How did we come up with that ratio? So now you can make a more informed decision. Is that something I should consider? Maybe I don't. You know how we came up with that ratio is I didn't even think of coming up with it until Alex and I went back and forth exchanging ideas and looking at both sides of the issue. Iron sharpened iron. Wisdom was found in a multitude of counsel. And lo and behold, you know something now that you didn't know before. I certainly do. Isn't that how this is supposed to work? If there was ever a time for the free exchange of ideas, now would be it. You want to swell the ranks of Todd's uh, merry uh, band of, of, of anti-vaxxers? This is the way to do it. Tell people they can't question it. They have to take it, whether it's FDA approved or not. They can't be a citizen unless they do. Universities say the faculty don't have to take it, but the students who aren't vulnerable almost whatsoever to COVID, they do. Decisions like that, and you leave people no choice, they're not going to consistently just come up with the conclusion, you're just dumb. No one is this consistently dumb. So you leave them then with the only other possibility, which is you're not stupid, this is sinister. History shows the side opposed to debate is wrong. Every time. Every time. Like our friend, I'm a Miller over there on Twitter with his mass charts. Every time, every time they promise us this will be it, it never is. The Texas Rangers, well over two weeks ago on opening day, had the first sellout event at a sporting event uh, in America since the pandemic. Nothing has altered. Texas's trajectory continues to be downward whatsoever. Largest singular gathering of American sports fans in well over a year. 40 some odd thousand people. Didn't do anything. Nothing. Nothing's changed. We need more of an exchange of ideas. It's okay for the truth to come out. Unless you're afraid of the truth, then it's not. Now, here's the truth. Coconut brownie chunk is coming back to Bilt Bar. This is the one that you tried, right? Yes. And how good was it? Excellent. It was excellent. 
cookie dough coming back too. Limited time just means we all just keep buying too many of these. And so they have to, it takes them a few months to restock. All right. But if you want to take advantage of, I've got the mailer in my inbox, coconut brownie chunk, second greatest flavor of built bar ever next to the cookie dough. Uh, that is just one of numerous flavors that are absolutely delicious. All of them covered in real chocolate. It's the best tasting candy bar uh, or, or protein bar you've ever had. The healthiest candy bar you've ever tried. And it's not even a candy bar, but it's going to taste like one. The texture, the flavor of one. And yet you look at the nutrition. I had a guy who sent me an email and said, man, I took this to my health nut friend who knows everything about this. And he looked up the ingredients and everything's like, wow, this is legit. It is. It is legit. Up to 18 grams of protein in every bar, 160, 70 calories or less, and a lot of them are in the 130, 120 calorie range. Uh, Low sugar, low net carbs, so whatever lifestyle you're looking for, your low cal, your low sugar, your low carb, it fits into all of those. It satisfies the sweet tooth that is my kryptonite. Built Bar. Take advantage of my name right now, Dace. Get 15% off uh, at BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Dace, D-E-A-C-E. 15% off your first order right now. And if you've ever never, if you've never tried these before, the coconut brownie chunk. I warn you, you may not want to make that your first flavor because you're going to get hooked. Okay. Uh, 15% off right now at BuiltBar.com with the promo code Dace. All right, let's get into Pop Culture Tuesday. This is when we look at the intersection of pop culture and conservatism. Aaron, you've not watched like any of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Unfortunately, no. All right, so you can smoke them if you got them. Are you caught up now? I'm caught up. Okay. So, Do you think I'm going to disagree with you? I don't know. Oh, you talked earlier. We'll see. The way you said it. Because there's several people in the audience that disagree with my take, which is why I want to talk about it. Okay. I was, um, I'm going to be on a, a, a radio show tomorrow and the host said that um uh, it's a buddy of mine steve noble host a syndicated christian show down in uh, raleigh north carolina and he's like I, I listened to your message about uh inconvenient truths and i wanted to talk about it there's a few places where i i'm not sure i agree and then he mentioned several other things and i'm like no dude we're, we're just going to talk about where we disagree that's the interesting part not if we both agree then we we can we can do that with our audiences on our own the point of you and I getting together is let's talk about where we disagree. I mean, the point of, of me cross-examining Alex Berenson wasn't even necessarily he took positions I disagreed with. I just thought, what's wrong with the other side of the argument and your side of the argument clashing every now and then? And let's find out who's who's right or wrong, right? But no, there's several of you in our audience that are very, very leery to not happy with the direction of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So spoiler alert. If you haven't watched yet or you haven't caught up to the to the end of the season, which it's well, where the season is at. You don't there's no way we can have this conversation without spoiling it for you. So you have been warned and we'll give you the count of three. One, two, three. All right. Now you're on your own. All right. But um, I said before, my big criticism of Black Panther is that I didn't I think it. It punked out on the racial politic angle. I thought what really set that apart from a storytelling perspective was the uniqueness of a Killmonger as an archetype for Malcolm X and a Black Panther as an archetype for MLK. And there's a very fascinating back and forth between the two of them in their climactic fight, but I actually wanted more of that because I thought it was smart. I like things that are smart. 
I don't, I don't need people to agree with me all the time. Don't patronize me. Don't agitprop me, right? Don't lie to me. But if it's smart and it's coming from another point of view, I'm interested. Uh, the Marvel show that was on Netflix a few years ago, Luke Cage, particularly in season one, really delved into the racial politics of, of, um, of Harlem. And I, I found those, I found that to be beyond well-written and fascinating. I really enjoyed it. They're going there more and more as we get deeper and deeper into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the, and the main impetus is that Sam is, you know, Captain America gives Sam uh, the Falcon, the, the shield to, to pick up his mantle at the end of Avengers Endgame. He doesn't think he's worthy of doing it, doesn't think anybody is worthy of replacing Steve Rogers. And so his understanding is he's going to give the shield back to the government. They're going to display it at the Smithsonian, the Captain America display, and and this will they'll retire his jersey, basically, and something new will come. But no one will attempt to pick up that mantle once Sam gives up the shield. Instead, they've got a decorated U.S. Army Ranger that they decide is cut out of central casting to take his place and becomes a whole thing. Did Sam make the right decision or not? And then there's a storyline that they bar- they borrow that's right out of the Captain America comics that uh, in, in the 40s, there, was, uh, there were actually several other super soldiers that were experimented on, including several black soldiers. And it's right out of the Tuskegee experiment uh, where they were told they were being given a vaccine for syphilis, I believe, but it was actually syphilis itself or the placebo for it. And they and all these people got infected. Several people died. Um, it's it's a stain on our legacy as a country, and it's a fact. This event occurred, and so they tie into that and say that one of the black soldiers was able to absorb the super soldier uh, serum the way Steve Rogers did, but they didn't want a black man being the the face of the country. So they basically hit him away so they could experiment on him and figure out when the scientist died how to use him as the guinea pig to reclamate the formula for many, many years. And then somebody who felt sympathy for him allowed him to fake his death, and he's been living under an assumed identity ever since. Sam now finds out about this, and he's unsure about whether, because now he thinks he needs to go ahead and take back the shield, right? And they have this conversation about whether a black man can ever be Captain America, whether that will ever be allowed. And this this, this man who's very bitter, can't really blame him, lost his wife in this process as well. She died. You know, there, that he doesn't understand why any black man would ever want to fight for the country ever again. And Sam is really torn, goes back home, talks to his sister. And his sister's not blind to racial realities in America, but also thinks the other guy has gotten into her brother's head a little bit. And now he's gone too far the other way where maybe before he was naive to this and now he's you know gonna go like you know malcolm x and his sister is like uh don't let that guy get into your head i mean be smart be discerning but there's no need to be nihilistic she doesn't say this but basically her stance is things need to get better but it also ain't 1945 out there right so somewhere kind of in the middle and now he's trying to navigate this and where the last episode left off it was clear now that he was about to go ahead and put on the 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 regalia of captain america in a suit ironically devised for him from wakanda all right so i've actually found this fascinating i i don't think it's been i haven't agreed with everything that's been asserted but i haven't found it to be agitproppy i haven't found it to be uh, luxury. I haven't found it to be nauseating or sanctimonious. Um, I've, I've actually found it fairly fascinating. But what's your view, Todd? I agree. And uh, while always allowing for the possibility that the conclusions 
would be forced upon us in a way that were irritating. Right. That we were prepared to be uh, fed a solid meal and it would turn to Cheez-Its at the very end. Mm-hmm. But I, actually, I think that last conversation between Falcon and Bucky, and by the way, they're, I, I don't think this has been a great show overall, set aside, but their rapport is fantastic. Their rapport has been the rising tide lifting all the boats. It's yes. fantastic. Yeah. It's good. I'm entertained. But at the end, Sam basically makes an anti-BLM argument. He talks about the, the Tuskegee Airmen for the, uh, he's not that, but the analogies, mm-hmm. he, he said, I can't, he says, I can't take away from his pain. It's terrible. And, th- and then he says, but if I, if I don't move forward and take up this shield, I'll never live with myself. Right. And I, mean, like, I, could, I could be perpetually angry, perpetually bitter, exactly. or I could, I could find a way to redeem this story. And yes. I think because they do such a grown-up job of talking about all the itch issues, warts and all, like you say, oh, history's history. Don't hide any of it. Mm-hmm. Let the lion out of its cage. But I think he simply says, I don't think there's any way to not interpret what he says as the way of... A BLM, constant victimization, constant hate, constant agitation. Is BLM really a, the villain in this? Are the Flag Smashers really some variation, a proto version of a BLM in some respects? I mean, that's kind I, of their approach, this right? Is, this is our question about do they know what they're doing? Because yes. I don't know how you can avoid that conclusion. Steve. Yes. Like, I know I'm going to get emails from people. Hey, that may be how you're seeing it, but are, is that how they see it? I don't know. I'm I not in their head. Either. I don't know how I'm not in their head. I just know that I'm fairly decent at discerning worldviews. I get paid fairly well for it. And I'm and, and if their intention is to elevate Falcon as the as Captain BLM, that ain't what they're communicating. That doesn't mean they're soft-selling systemic racism or anything in the storyline either. But but no. the solution they're coming to now the final episode of the season is still to come yes. and maybe that will Correct. maybe that's where they'll pull the, ru- the the rug out from underneath us right or kick the chair out. But the solution they're offering to the realities of the day is actually a redemptive storyline. It is not just we just continually just drain circle. This wasn't a Maxine Waters speech. In fact, he got the Maxine Waters speech, went back home to Louisiana, and his sister told him, "That's dumb. Don't don't buy into that. You know, mm-hmm. don't." You so she started the season telling her brother, hey, you may think because you saved the world from the Thanos snap that you're not black anymore, but that's not the way it works, right? right. That's how she started the season. Yes. And now at the end of the season, she's like, don't go too far the other way, you know, or you're Captain BLM. Don't buy into the nihilism. I, I, I've kind of found this arc fascinating. Well, and it's picking up from one of your favorite movies uh, in the whole process, The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. The, the, the balance, the tension mm-hmm. between the competing forces. They're doing it again. I would urge you to watch it if you haven't yet. See if you come to the same conclusions. And again, we reserve the right to change our opinion next week if the final episode goes full, complete, total propagandist, right? That'll do it for today's program. We are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. And until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.